a podcast brought to you by Energy Live News. How are we? Hope you are well this week. Not been a great week, has it? Not been a great week for the sake of the chaos of Brexit. Uh, but uh, hey, here's one for Theresa. Well done, love. Keep going. So, um, hello podcasters, by the way. Hope you are all well. Let's get on with our story of the week. And it's all about EU. There's a big EU theme. And it is this one here. So, the capacity market. So, the European Court of Justice made a decision this week, which was to suspend the UK capacity market. Now, is this a bunch of interfering foreigners just getting involved? As Brexiteers would shout. And I voted Brexit, so I'm probably one of them. Anyway, no, it's not. It's nothing to do with that. It's to do with a company called Tempest Energy, who, uh, a UK company, who made a legal challenge. And what they said was um, the capacity market is unfair to companies like them who basically are kind of DSR-type player companies and gives an unfair advantage to companies that run fossil fuel plants. And the court agreed with them. It basically said that um, the government hadn't properly assessed uh, DSR and, you know, wants to make, make sure that the money it's, that it's putting out there is uh, distributed evenly and fairly with new technologies. So what is it? So let's explain what the capacity market is for people who don't know. Very simply, when we decided years ago uh, to get rid of all our coal power stations, we made the decision to lose capacity, the capacity to generate. So as you take more power off the grid, you need to have some way of getting it back. And what the government introduced in the energy uh, bill in 2010 was a, something called a capacity market. And what it is, is companies bid to say, hello grid, when you need power, we can give it to you. And for that, they get paid some money to be basically on standby when we need the power. Now, a lot of uh, this is because it's a, it's a weird juxtaposition. We've decided to go greener, so we're closing down coal. But what you do find is a lot of this backup generation is still fossil fuel. So it may be diesel generators, it may be gas, uh, that sort of stuff. So what um, Sarah Bell, who's, or Sarah Bell, I think her name is, um, the CEO of Tempest Energy, uh, made the point that basically uh, DSR contracts, so DR, DSR, demand side response, so basically when businesses have got too much power and the grid needs it, the business can say, okay, we'll cut down and we'll give you some. Um, players like that were at a competitive disadvantage, according to her, uh, compared to the fossil fuel uh, capacity market winners who basically also had much longer contracts. And it looks like the um, ECJ, European Court of Justice, has agreed. So where does that leave us? Well, let's be honest, the first thing is, and Bez have said this, there is no issue about capacity. So it's not as if we've suddenly got no capacity. Um, this is going to apply moving forward to the capacity market of 2019 which currently is obviously suspended. So the next stage is really, there'll be an assessment by the court, a government will, our government will have to go and have a look at it, then have to report back to the EU, and then we'll know whether uh, that has cleared it or hasn't. And until then, there are no uh, payments allowed. Now you could say this is just one company in a having a go and spoiling the party for others, but if we're going to have a system that is gearing us away from all fossil fuels, then we really should have a fair system, irrespective, you should be using this word agnostic, yeah? Agnostic, technology agnostic. And it should be that to say that whether you provide backup power 
through generators that are diesel or gas or solar or something else or you know you're using DSR you should all get the same share so I can see why uh, Tempest Energy bought the case and clearly it's one we'll have to watch to see what happens though depending on how things go on the 29th or 30th of March who knows if this will all have um, happened before or, or after that because you know how long courts take to put something through we'll have to watch that Moving on to another EU story. What a surprise. Bit of a theme here this week, do you think? And this is about a letter that was written by the House of Lords. And they wrote it to Claire Perry. And I think we've got some, uh, there we go, the House of Lords writing about uh, Brexit. And we should have some shots of Claire Perry. There we go. Claire, oh, you've not got moving shots. Did you not use moving video? Tia. We had a bloody, our conference used that instead. Anyway, so Claire Perry um, has had a letter from um, the EU Energy Committee, the House of Lords, saying, Dear Peza, what on earth is going on? So what they've asked is, um, Dear Minister, can you give us more uh, conclusive evidence of what will happen should we get a no deal? And you can't have avoided the fact that that is now a very, very strong real possibility. So they were saying, uh, can we get some examples of what government would do if we have a no deal? What uh, measures would be in place to sort of protect uh, us as consumers on energy costs? Energy costs, excuse me. <clears throat> and also that they felt that the previous evidence was inconclusive. So um, Claire Perry's office obviously is looking at this. And to be fair to the minister, I suppose the thing is, when um, you know she spoke to him before, everyone has been assuming that there will be a deal. It's only the last few days that it's gone that rocky that we're in this sort of situation. I'm sure that um, the House of Lords has probably done the right thing here because you need to make sure consumers are protected. But the question is really uh, what guarantees can we give right now? All we can do is say, look, we're trying to do the deal or the minister can go, right, we'll make all these provisions assuming it's a no-deal Brexit. And if that happens, we're barely, what, three and a half, four, four and a half months to go? That's going to be tough. And finally, here's a story that isn't, well, it is a little bit European. So um, it's about gas and uh, renewable deals, energy deals. And basically, you can see a nice picture of a, a nodding donkey. So why? Well, energy deals globally, and I think this was, um, this was EY, wasn't it, Johnny, this story? Pardon? This was an EY report about the energy deals, wasn't it? I think it was. £187 billion. Pounds. Just take that figure in, £187 billion. So the deal sector has grown to that level. And that's mainly made up of deals in gas and renewables. And this is a real interesting fact from this report. EU energy deals in the last year have gone down by 78%. Wow, right? 78%. Uh, and the US now makes up 46% of uh, the new deals. So where does this leave us? And this is why you've had the, the, there is a global growth in renewables, obviously, and that's a, a major part of the, the number of deals. But a lot of the energy deals in the US and a lot of this figure, this 187 billion, is from gas deals. And that shows you that the world is definitely shifting away from coal, but globally, gas is now the fuel of choice in tandem with renewable development. But the deals that are done are done quicker for gas. Uh, the machinery is quicker to put in. There's more infrastructure that's already built 
to take the gas system, as opposed to renewable power where you have intermittency, you need batteries and stuff like that. And it also shows you how important the US market still is globally. So I think um, two things, two takeaways from that really are the energy sector is doing well. Okay, We had our conference and uh, nearly a couple of weeks ago now and one of the things was, you know, are we really hammering ourselves and saying, oh, everything's poor in the sector? Well, it's not actually. And if you think about the progress being laid, it's been pretty damn good. And this shows you globally energy is still really, really thriving. But it shows you that then the world is now in, in a tandem uh, stroke, which is one towards renewable energy, which will continue, I'm sure, to grow in, in terms of deals. But in the short term, gas deals, and in the short term, the power of the US, particularly with all its shale gas, is clearly coming to the fore. So there's our top stories this week. Let me know what you think. Use the hashtag, uh, tweet us, use short views, you know the score. Let's get on to this week's banter box. It's a bit, a bit of an EU show. Yes. And obviously, been a turbulent 24 hours and our energy minister has got in to try and sort of make us think that things are okay hasn't he yes he's tried to do that i don't know if it was something that was already arranged of course it was <laughs> <laughs> or it was something that came out of the blue yes um but he did uh okay so greg clark gave a speech yesterday yes. at the institute of directors yes uh in london and he talked about a lot of things if you listen if you read his speech it's literally never ending um, so I've got a few f stuff together. Um, Some few factoids. Uh, yes, from him about his announcements. Um, it was basically a response, kind of a response to uh, the uh, Professor Dieter Helm's yep. uh, report last week, uh, yep. last, last year, that year. was published. Which talked about, uh, um, you know, how much energy, green energy policies were costing us, yes. the consumer. Um, and basically consumers, uh, including businesses, are paying too much for energy. Yeah. Uh, so Greg Clark said, uh, and the top line, if you if you ha haven't read that story, was that the electricity trilemma is, over. is coming to an end. Not over yet, but it's coming to an end. Renewable technology. <coughs> Excuse so, me. I, I, do you believe this? Believe what? The trilemma is over. Yes. I mean, it's a it's a long shot. I think. Um, we just uh, just the, the story previous. We're talking about how gas deals are are running alongside. You know, he's saying that the renewables are now so well priced that you yeah. don't have to worry about the, the, the security level. But you do. You've, just, you've had this whole thing about 10% energy. You did the story about the capacity market. Yeah. I don't believe this is... Um, but with the capacity market, the government has said there are no issues in terms no, of security. No, National Grid has said that. But it's still backed up by but, fossil fuels, isn't it? Yes, but on that note, I just wanted to say um, there are arguments mm. about if everything is okay and everything was meant to be okay so why have the capacity market in the first place and Good point. pay all those companies thousands and millions of pounds to yep. these companies every year yep uh, i just wanted to uh, mention that but, but he, yes so, so his speech was saying what the trilemma so is what almost he's saying over. is almost over uh, because of the low cost of renewables yeah uh, he said that base is now gonna is committing to a more market-led approach so basically giving uh, businesses more of the decision-making side um, yep. When it comes to innovation, um, to ensure that obviously what you mentioned, the security of supply yep. uh, is tackled along with the decarbonisation targets. 
Um, so businesses will be given more of the decision-making powers compared to what uh, the government does yep. now. Uh, another thing it, uh, he mentioned was the carbon pricing. We've had loads of, we ran loads of stories from yes. industries saying we need a carbon price. We need to find out now. Which was um, way back, do you remember, it was going to be one of the big tenants. For, yeah, a long, it's been a long time running. Um, but we haven't had that yet. Uh, and that was one of the things that was mentioned in the Dieter Helm report as well last year. Uh, so in its absence, uh, Greg Clark said that there will be a gradual transition to a more integrated approach. Ooh. <laughs> in his quote. If only we could have integrated government, that would be useful, <laughs> wouldn't it? Um, yes, and on the capacity market, he obviously had to say something Talk about, about the that. judgment. Yeah, what did he uh, say so to he that? He said the judgment was more of a procedural matter. Yeah. Um, for the EU Commission granting state-aid approval yeah. rather than issues with the capacity market policy itself. Right. Okay. Uh, so, because what the, uh, the the Court of Justice, the EU Court of Justice said was, um, it was the EU Commission who gave the final nod for yes. the state-aid. Yeah. Uh, so it's up to them. They have yeah. to go through this investigation again to uh, give the... Yeah, board. nothing's free, by the way, or that capacity market. We're all paying for it. So That's remember true. that. Um so another thing he mentioned was God, CCS. how long was his speech? No, it was very long. This is just a <laughs> nib, a tiny bit of what I've picked up on. Uh, so the, he also mentioned the carbon uh, capture and storage. Ha! Uh, now I remember, hang on, you remember to... that uh, when, uh, what was his name, that's now editing the standard, the little oily one that used to be the Chancellor. What's his name? What was his <laughs> name? Come on. Osborne. Osborne, exactly, thank God. Yeah, Oily Osborne. So when Oily Osborne was Chancellor, he made a speech. What are you looking at? It's true. When he, he made a speech about, in the budget speech, where he said, we're going to he invest heavily in CCS 1 billion. Yeah. What have we seen? 1 billion, and that was cancelled. So there was a competition for common capture and storage technologies, yes. a billion pounds. But a few months, I think a few months down the line, it was cancelled. Uh, so now the government said that it will set out an action plan mm -hmm. uh, to deploy CCS at scale. So that's carbon capture storage as well as the use of car the carbon that's been captured yep. uh, in the 2030s. So that is expected to be uh, laid out, I think, over the coming weeks. There's a summit in Edinburgh right. that's taking place, so that's going to be announced then. Uh, Please tell me there's and, no more of this. And last one, which I think is important for our My viewers, especially God. businesses, yes. is if you remember, we did a story from Ofgem recently which said uh, that small businesses, micro businesses are paying a lot for yes, energy. Yes, I remember that story very much. Compared to larger firms. Absolutely. So what the government said is that it is working with Ofgem now uh, to determine if there are new protections that need to be uh, put in place for these um, SMEs and for these micro-businesses, like some of whom are paying a lot of money, and yeah. that includes us. So it does include us. We've just had smart meetings come Hopefully something will come out of this one. Let's hope so. Is that the end of Greggy? That is the end. There's a lot more. Uh, you can head on over to energylivenews.com and find... Uh, Read it. At <coughs> your pleasure. No, you're not, you're not coming on yet, Jonathan. No, I've just, got two yeah, more stories, She's got Johnny. two more. Shut up, Johnny. Sit down. Give me <laughs> right. Anyway, next okay, one. Okay, next one's not the peaking plant, as your thing says. It's no. EU, uh, EU Parliament. You've got EU uh, in there again. Again, EU. Uh, we've got a theme going on today. So the EU Parliament recently approved uh, the energy efficiency and renewable targets. So that was an ambitious target that was Is that what this agreed. picture's supposed to be? Yeah, so that's 
No, so no, over there, over there. Efficiency. Yeah, okay. And, and there's renewables. Renewables, hey, yeah. Okay, um, cool. So Tia helped me make that, actually. It's very good. So thanks, Tia. Excellent. Um, yeah, so what the EU Parliament said that is said is that it approves these targets. Uh -huh. So that's 32% uh, for renewable energy and 32.5% for energy efficiency by 2030. So these were the targets that were agreed by national governments uh, a few months ago. Uh, and... This new uh, strategy is also expected to help consumers uh, generate energy, store energy, and consume their own energy. Sorry, I'm laughing because I keep looking at Sumit, but he's not looking at me. I don't know if you're actually trying not to look at I'm me. Not, I'm not, I'm not, because I, the, the, the Tash has just, yeah, it's just got a mind a bit of its too own. Much for me. Um, yeah, so it will help consumers generate, store, and consume energy. It's sure. expected to help them uh, do that. Uh, and. It, also, 14% of transport fuels should come from renewable sources as part of the disagreement. I think this is a good thing, though, because we do need to do efficiency. Because we keep talking about generation and whether we have more renewable plants and batteries. But if we just stop using the bloody electricity that we use, that's what I do. I do it at home. Reduce electricity. Do you yes. do that? Yes, oh, I, I do. I that. Uh, that hell. <laughs> come round. What do you do? I turn all the lights off. Christina. Yeah, I am. What about your telly? Like, you know, when it's on standby, no, do you turn it off? I have been brought up by an Indian mother. I turn my telly off at night. I bet no, you but don't. you know, the switch, I mean, not just on standby, the of switch. Of course. I switch it off. Okay. Yeah, you see, that's what old people do. Not like you lot. Uh, so you, stand so by. you agree you're you, Shut up. <laughs> just stand by. You lot just go, oh, I can't be bothered to actually stand up and press the on I button. I do the standby. I don't do the See? Other so you are guilty Maybe of hemorrhaging energy right now. There are trees being cut down because of you. People um, are working in coal I think mines we should, I think because we should of you. get on with the story. Okay, I think right, people want to know what yes. is going well, on. Go on. So get on with these it, targets yes. um, will be reviewed by 2023. Right. But when they're reviewed, they can only go up and not down. Okay. Finally, let's Finally. move on. Finally. So you went out this week with Tia Maria, didn't you? Yes, Tia's... Actually, I was going to say first, but it's not. It's a second shoot. Hey, so let's have we a look at this one. We went to um, Ashford Peaking Plant, as you can see behind us. Maybe you can make a small so you can get a bigger, hey, better There you go. That's view. a good view. Look yeah. at that. So what is uh, this place? So this is Ashford Peaking Plant, but it's not in Ashford. It's in Kent. Okay. Um, it's 21 megawatts. So those massive containers basically mm. have engines in them. So those are the engines. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's 14 uh, containers with engines. There you are, talking um, to someone. They're all automated, unmanned, uh, yeah. and they're remotely monitored by someone, right. I think, in Denmark. I don't know if that's true, but... Um, um, they're huge. Look at them. They're amazing stuff. Yeah. And so tell, tell the I viewers mean, what the Peking plant is. What is it? So Peking plant is something that doesn't uh, provide baseload power. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that is constantly running throughout the day. Uh, it only turns on when, uh, say, the wind turbines and the solar panels aren't generating electricity mm -hmm. and National Grid needs it to generate, needs more power because demand is high. Yep. So that's when it signals these developers um, or these plant operators to turn on their uh, power plants and provide that excess power that's go. needed. It's all part of our capacity, basically. Um, so this plant can be fired up in under two minutes. Not bad. Uh, so that's but the switch. it is diesel though, isn't it? No, it's gas. Oh, it's gas, it's is it? Gas. Okay. So it's similar to the concept is that it's similar to a car engine, uh -huh. uh, but it runs on gas instead of diesel or petrol. Okay, um, impressive. Did you like it? Yeah, I think it was quite interesting. The first thing though, when I when I got there, was I was 
I wouldn't say disappointed, but <gasps> not disappointed is not the right word. I was if Linda's a little listening, bit surprised. She'll be unhappy. No, I was surprised at the scale or the lack of scale. Ah, you were underwhelmed. Um, no, I wouldn't say that because I feel that's such a negative thing to say. Okay. It's just that because I've been to so many power stations that are huge. Mm. And this was tiny, which I guess when we... But that's the future. Yeah, that's why I'm We mean. want so smaller power forward, plants. Smaller plants are... You will have a power plant in your house in 10 exactly, years. Exactly, that's what I mean. So yeah. I don't want to be... I don't want to say I was underwhelmed or it's something I was disappointed I think it's very about. nice. It's very green as well. Yeah. In colour. Uh, the green is only because the company who supplies it, their their uh, company colour is green, so that's why it's green. So it looks green. Um, but we did speak to uh, two people. I yeah. picked one clip today. Um, Mark Tarry, he's the CF, CFO of AMP. Yeah. Uh, and AMP is the company that manages the plant. Right. Uh, so he says that because because I asked him about, you know, critics saying uh, we shouldn't be investing in new gas yes. plants. Uh, we should be moving more towards more renewables. To renewables yeah. uh, so what uh, Mark Tarry told us was that peaking plants are actually renewables enabling uh, because it helps fill in the gap when I said the, when the sun doesn't shine or the wind doesn't blow. I hate hear, that term. Let's hear what he says. And it also supports the growth of EVs. Okay. It's designed to respond to that macro level um, price volatility, that intermittency that's been created by renewables. But what we're also seeing at a, at a lower voltage level is the growth of, of uh, electric vehicles and the electrification of heat. And that is uh, likely to continue to increase constraints at the low voltage network. So what we want to do is develop peaking plant that can operate at a low voltage network, not only to respond to intermittency that's created by renewables, but to also create power where and when it's needed most at that low voltage network. So by building two, four, six megawatt plants in urban and industrial areas, we can help create that capacity which will enable the other side of the coin, which is the growth of electric vehicles and electric heating. I actually think he's making a fair point there, because if you look at it, you will have that whole thing of intermittency yeah. and what you're going to have to fill the gap. Why not use this? Yeah. And he, I assume he's, he's not saying that, you know, this is the answer. Is he? He's just no, saying, look, no. this is this will help us with the, the move towards green. Yeah, exactly. So, because there are times when um, we've had National Grid warn about yes. uh, capacity. Uh, when the beast from the east came in. Do yeah, you remember that? exactly. So that's when that's the times when we're going to need power stations like this one. And uh, the company actually plans to go even smaller at the local level, Told you. Uh, which I think is even better. But watch for, out for power plant in your pocket. A new feature done by you. I might do that. Yes. I think you should do. It. Uh, but if you aren't more interested in that, you can watch the full video on our website or our social media sites. Everything's there. Uh, and and actually, also, one thing, you did a brilliant special report. On the price cap. On the price cap. And we're doing more of these special reports. John will be doing one next week. So look in the website and you'll see now more in-depth stuff. Yes. Better, longer stuff. Longer stuff. Yeah. Excellent. Thank okay, you very much. that is all. Thank you. Have a Goodbye. good weekend. And now we're replacing quality with, with, quantity. with, I don't know what, really. Hello. How's your tash going? Okay. I, I actually do think it is creepier than mine, although mine's pretty creepy. Anyway, right, uh, now, talking about... Uh, I'm missing my microphone stand. Oh, for God's sake, just hold the thing, will you? Johnny. Honest to God. Don't put it That's where... That's kind of You don't want to know where that microphone is going right now, ladies and gents. If you're in the, listening in on a podcast, it's very X-rated. Anyway, so, uh, off gem. Yes. And talking about 
Peking Plants, Capacity Market, and Green. Yep. The detail help. There's a bit of a theme for sh the show. Uh, yep, Tell us about is. this story about whistleblower. It's a, br it's a okay, big story. Okay, so this guy actually went to the BBC. So yeah, I should say that because uh, you know that's where he hasn't released a press release, unfortunately. No. Uh, but his name is Ed Fife. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a counter fraud officer at Ofgem's mm -hmm. E-Serve unit uh, that deals with lots of these schemes, like yes. these green subsidy schemes. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, so basically, he says that the schemes aren't being managed properly. Uh, they're being neglected by Ofgem, and they're being abused by uh, these, you know, unscrupulous com companies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's saying mil millions and millions of uh, public money is being misspent uh, in a fraudulent manner, uh -uh. and these schemes are being seriously abused. Were his words? Uh, and what's, and what's been the response to this then? Well, this was between the years of 2013 and 2017, by right. the way. So this isn't a right now a recent yeah. recent thing. Um, but yeah, I don't know what the response has been so far, really. I think, you know, no one really wants to stick their hands up. But has Ofgem made a, a, a statement on it? They must uh, have. Yeah, Ofgem have made a statement and they said that, yeah, you know, pretty much what you'd expect. They uh, take incidences of this very seriously yeah. and uh, try to minimise fraudulent behaviour wherever possible. I don't know what Pri's been doing, but she's just chatting to Tia in the <laughs> middle of this very important bit of news. We're talking about potentially criminal activity. Yeah, right? exactly. And you're talking about your earrings. <laughs> Not because... No, I don't I want to know. Why? Normally he's the one that's distracting. No, it's you. I'll tell you why. Because mm -hmm. in my piece to, when I did the piece of yes. camera in the video, oh, without a one side, I don't have earrings on one right. ear, and she didn't tell me. Okay. Th this is really not important. And now... You never catch this, me no, only wearing one whole, earring. I did my whole banter yes. one <laughs> Excellent. You carry on. The Fascinating stuff. Well done. Anyway. Uh, yeah. But this is a serious point because there is got to be better scrutiny about these pl these these projects. And I think it's oh, yeah, always it's been my money and your money exactly. and everyone else's money. And uh, I think good on the whistleblower. You know, fair play to him. Yep. Uh, yeah, he actually said the renewable heat incentive scheme uh, was pro one of the worst offenders. And, he and of course, the heat industry has come back and battered that way because they've put press releases out this week defending mm. it, haven't they? Yeah. Uh, but he actually called that industrialised subsidy claiming uh, from these Ooh, unscrupulous yeah. companies. But, yeah, and he said basically whenever he brought this, these issues up to his off-gen bosses, which obviously mm. he did before he kind of went outside off -gen. He alleges, by the way. Yeah, this is all alleged. Yes. Uh, but, yeah, he says that he went to his off-gen bosses uh, and they, you know, they kind of turned a blind eye in his words because... He thinks that they didn't want the management uh, of these schemes given to someone else because he's quite expensive contracts, uh, probably. Yeah, you know, gotcha. so. yeah. Yep, so uh, that's that. But yeah, Ed Fife, if you want to read more about it. Read him out, absolutely. Uh, next one. Uh, so we've got a story from the Committee on Climate Change. Actually, well, uh, why is there a cow between us? Well, lean to one side, and hey. there's another furry friend oh, as well. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Can, we, can you make us a bit smaller? Oh, now that is cute. They were butchered and eaten shortly after this oh, photo was taken. After this photo was taken, they were turned into a burger and a kebab. They are cute, though. Uh, if you're but... on, in the, listening on the podcast, there's a cow that's, that's what you with a done. sheep. It is the one on the left. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the on the I left. ate a large chunk of one of his family members for, for my lunch. Okay. Um, and I this don't is... like lamb much myself. Right, personally. anyway, get on with it. So, this point is that we're not just putting in cute pictures of animals that we eat. Yeah. The reason is because the animals you see in that picture yes. are the two guiltiest animals. Uh, They're because... not guilty. <laughs> uh, basically, innocence. beef and Slaughtered. lamb are the two most environmentally intensive meats, according to a new report from the Committee on Climate Change. Yep. 
and it's basically saying that we, the committee is saying that uh, people across people across Britain uh, should halve their consumption. Right, I, I, I'm going the wrong way. Maybe maybe some. There you go. I can stroke his nose. It's a bit manky. Yeah. Don't touch it. I think that's all right. You have to wash your hands. Uh, yeah, with some gel. It's got foot and mouth. So I've always thought this, though, because if you well, think it said, about... Well, it said we should halve our consumption. Absolutely you should. Yeah? Yeah. As a, as, a, as a former lamb gorger, and mm. I've eaten a few of those poor little things in my time, mm. and I've now given up red meat, I think red meat is really very, very climate intensive yeah without doubt it is uh, so basically the committee on climate change uh you know a few environmental groups have said that have claimed and alleged that uh the ccc wanted to go further uh but didn't because they basically said that you know these well, the farmers unions and, that, and so yeah. on would kick back uh so they've said these, this consumption should be halved but really a lot of scientists have said we need to do more than that if we're going to meet, meet yeah. our emissions targets no pun intended uh and they've said that chicken and pi chicken and pigs um mm -hmm. you know regardless of people say sometimes shouldn't eat sausages or whatever but yeah, they yeah. say that chicken and pigs are actually much more less methane intensive which means they fart well, less, I, I, I still think that we should just grow our meat and that will happen Bill in Gates labs. is funding, in yeah, vitro. absolutely, in vitro, in in just vitro flesh labs. make it all mm. taste like chicken. Or human, you can have human, or human meat. All right, okay, let's not go there, that's Harry's territory. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, uh, next one. Well, finally, uh, amid all this Brexit confusion, the CCC is actually saying that Brexit op offers a good opportunity uh, yeah. for, you okay. know, new she's schemes. Mo she's moved the story on, by the way, well, to Bitcoin. That's got, she's got an itchy trigger finger. She has actually. Uh, okay, so... Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin. Oi. If you move your head again, they'll see the lovely Bitcoin logo. The other way. Okay. Uh, but yes, a Canadian firm called Heatmine uh, basically says that well, everyone knows that lots of uh, Bitcoin mining and cryptocurrency mining in general wastes lots of electricity. Yes, we've waste, done this story, Waste is Jonathan, a subjective already. term. Uh, but yes, uses lots of electricity. Did that last week. Lots of companies spend a lot of money and energy trying not to cool this process not down. Not telling anything new. But you can use the waste energy. Uh -huh. Ah! Uh, you can use the waste energy. Yes. Instead of spending all this money trying to cool the computers yes. down, you can actually direct the heat energy back into the room or in, you know, into pipes around the room. Uh, and with heat mines, this new radiator is essentially what it is. A radiator that mines cryptocurrencies. Like a heat network for, for cryptocurrencies. I yeah, like it. But it's, it kind of works like the radiator will heat your room and at the same time generate enough cryptocurrencies to pay for the energy you're using to heat the room. So Double it's, bubble. It's free heating is what the company calls it. Uh, one radiator can heat 300 square meters. 300 square meters uh, for 24 hours. I've got no idea how much that actually is. Um, and uh, how, what's this office? <laughs> this office is probably about uh, 50, 60 square meters. Okay, so that's pretty good heating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so if it can do about five times. Actually, no, four hundred thousand square feet. We, we're talking about each yeah, floor. Yeah, of, of course. ELN towers yeah, it's is got huge. Twelve stories. Of course. Um, but yeah, so it's a whole it, lot of staff that work in the little basement. We never see them. So yes, Bitcoin could heat the rooms. Excellent. All right, do you want to stay for the last bit? Mm. Or do you want to go and do something got like work, work to do? To be honest. Well, then bugger off. <laughs> go on then. Yeah. Actually, got work to do. Amazing. Right, Harry, reframe. Reframe. Lovely. Okay, let's go very quickly through the last bits, which are ELPA. So ELPA is taking place. 2017, it was cracking. This year will be even better. We are back on the silver sturgeon. You can see the uh, video there from uh, last year's uh, fantastic night at the uh, James Bond Museum. But this year, we're on the silver sturgeon, and there are still a few tickets left. So 
We will have uh, the names of the winners by the end of next week with the judges. We will then obviously announce them on the 6th of December and you can come along to the party. So if you want to get involved, then just write to tickets at energylivenews.com. But also we've got a vote that's going on for the personality of the year. You can see it now. Just go onto our page, have a look at events, go down to Elpa, and then you'll see you can have various names. Click on the name and you'll see a list there of about 10, uh, I think there's eight or 10 uh, nominations. Uh, you can vote for it, more than one person if you want, but once you've voted, you can't vote again. So we'll know that if you voted once. So do get involved, vote on that, make sure you get along for the party, get your tickets while they can. Tickets at energylivenews.com if you want to come along. And finally, it's Button Day. I mean, this is a bit of pants, isn't it? Literally, I don't know which, which buttons there are. Oh. We looked at like that. Uh, we had a look at some buttons, but the ones that uh, Tia found were really quite wrong, so uh, we didn't use that. Harry, move in. You can see a little bit of dark there. Look, mate. You want to get rid of that? Zoom in. That's it. So, yes, it's International Button Day, although Pre thinks it's wrong because it's American. But then everything else is American anyway, so whatever. Um, that's it. I don't think we've had any shout-outs, have we? Not sure. Kevin's not watching, so who cares? Uh, enjoy yourselves. We'll be back with our terrible moustaches next week. Adios. Alvin.